from our sins. And we're extremely grateful, not only for the account of it as recorded in Scripture, but for the reality of it. We are free from sins because of Christ, who grew into a man and then died a horrendous death, dear Lord, on the cross of Calvary. But three days later, you arose from the dead, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And now you have ascended back to the right hand of the majesty on high. And we rejoice and we worship you with all of our hearts, with all of our mind. Thank you, Father, for these wonderful realities. In Jesus' name, amen. It is a momentous day, is it not? We love this kind of thing. I got much to say today, but I need to structure our uh, teaching a little bit so that you'll understand what's going on. I have decided to skip over Leviticus 15. Um, it only takes a brief reading for you to know why. It's about bodily discharges, menstrual discharges, emissions, and the like. I just felt it inappropriate <laughs> for Christmas Eve, and I have skipped over to the gospel according to Leviticus. Do you guys remember me using that phrase? I'm going to chapter 16 today to deal with the issue and the concept of the scapegoat. It's an appropriate time to do that, isn't it? And, and so we're so uh, extremely thankful for this day. Just on a couple of personal notes, um, Christmas Eve is especially important to Bev and me, for we married in 1961 on Christmas Eve. The dumbest thing a person's ever done. <laughs> I was on military leave, had only about seven days to accomplish the task of getting married, so we rushed the matter and we married on Christmas Eve. A few days later after New Year, I flew out alone back to my station. But nonetheless, we rejoice in it. On another personal note, that may be as momentous, I suppose, not quite. In 1979, Bev's father was in the hospital having suffered a massive heart attack. We were keeping a vigil up there and we had left our son Paul in charge of the other two girls and um, we were spending our days there. On Christmas Eve, we decided to take a rest from that and to return home and we opened our gifts on New Year's Eve, which was against what we had usually done. We usually waited until Christmas Day. But we opened them on Christmas Eve rejoicing together, being with the kids. And then we went to bed with the hopes that we'd wake up refreshed and go back to see her father in the hospital. Except I was awakened at around 12 o'clock midnight with severe chest pains. 
And so Bev drove me across town. <laughs> and I had a heart attack that night, the first of many. 37 years old. Mm. And so it, uh, uh, Christmas Eve has both marvelous memories and not so marvelous memories. <laughs> and the other personal note is that uh, my grandson Ryan is, Yoakum is sitting right here in front of me. Uh, he is a delight to my soul. And I'm so glad to have him. And I put him in charge of my funeral. You hear that, right? You know, uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm deviating a little bit from a lesson, but one of the things that we experience, I don't know if you do or not, uh, but we experience at Christmas time a little resistance from some family members. It's not a good, it's not a good time. And sometimes you get in, quote, arguments, okay? <laughs> they are characterized as arguments, but it's about Christ. It's very difficult to testify of the faith to your own family. Um, as the scriptures say, a prophet has um, honor in every place except his own hometown. <laughs> I, uh, we experience that a lot. Uh, uh, so I share with you any discomfort that you might have on these days of celebration of our Lord's birth in trying to get past some of our family members who are not believers and who'd just rather not hear anything about that. So nonetheless, they will. <laughs> Arguments or no, this is the day of the Lord's birth or at least that's how we celebrate it tomorrow. Mary and Joseph had traveled, what, close to 60 miles? On a donkey. She riding on a donkey, nine months pregnant. Oh, my goodness. Imagine that, ladies. It's almost as bad as driving in my car. <laughs> but, but about 60 miles on the back of a donkey. And then when they arrived, there was no place in the inn. And so they stayed in the stable. And they put little Jesus, was born there, and they put little Jesus in a manger. Now wait a minute. We've been reading in the book of Leviticus about the offering of rams, cattle, Sheep, goats, all of those in the barn that day. And Jesus is amongst them. I don't know about you, but that's pretty important to me. These things do not happen accidentally. We have tried to pull out the meaning of Leviticus uh, in our uh, lessons before. It's a difficult book. It can be quite difficult. And so I'm depending on a few books, and this is one I've already recommended, and if you don't 
mind uh, an exposition of Leviticus by A.A. Bonar. He's an older writer back in the 1800s, and, but it's an excellent uh, little exposition. I have to put on my magnifying glasses. I have some magnifying glasses. I mean, really magnifying, like 10 pi, because I think it's, it's like three-point type. Okay, <laughs> buy the one that has larger type, okay? Uh, but it should be available. The amazing thing about uh, Christian literature today is because nobody cares about it anymore, you can pick these things up for a song. It's amazing that I can buy today what in my, uh, back in my seminary years in the 60s, it would have cost me $100. I can pick it up for 11 It's amazing. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what that is. I always took it as a negative that our society could care less about the Lord Jesus Christ. But these are good books, and I would recommend them to you, that, that one to you. Now, turn, if you will, to Leviticus chapter 16. We're going to skip over that chapter about bodily discharges and return to it later. But for today, I want to spend some time in chapter 16 because it relates to Jesus Christ. It is one of those uh, uh, portions of this book that is the clearest when it comes to fulfilling what Jesus said, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, he expl uh, expounded to them about himself, is what he said to the two men on the way to Emmaus. I'm sure that he spent some time here in chapter 16, Leviticus. I want us to do the same, beginning in verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, who went in, you know, un, uh, unclean, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. We have made it very clear um, in our exposition of this that this is about God's holiness. And you cannot approach God in a sinful, unclean way. And so the question is, how do we become clean? Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram of, as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash. By the way, I'm reading from the New King James Version in case that yours differs slightly. And with a linen turban, he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house. He had to do that. He's a human being. He is not God. Jesus didn't have to do that. 
He is holy without sin. And he is our great high priest according to the book of Hebrews. Verse 7, he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots, roll the dice, I guess, for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Interesting word. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. If that isn't a picture of Jesus Christ, I don't know what is. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense, uh, beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it for his, uh, with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. And before the mercy seat, he shall... Sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times, like that. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. Bring its blood inside the veil, do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of the transgressions for all their sins. And so he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement for the holy place until he comes out that he may make atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the assembly of Israel, Israel typifying, if you will, the people of God. And he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat. Yes, it's repetitive, but it's important. And put it on the horns of the altar all around. We're back outside now with the horns. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, cleanse it and consecrate it uh, from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. The whole thing is about the uncleanness of sin. It's about Christ. And when he had made an end to atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. One has been sacrificed. One is left. And he shall send uh, uh, Aaron shall lay both his hands 
on the head of the live gate, oh, goat, you remember that when a uh, Israelite brought a, an offering, he had to put his hand. Now this says both hands, both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. Oh my. If you don't see the typology of that, all one has to do is to go to the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And you will find the fulfillment of all these things and the, uh, uh, the, uh, 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 that Christ came to fulfill all of these things right there. It is the Gospel of Christ. And it's the reason I call it the Gospel according to Leviticus. It is full of the Lord's wonderful sacrifice for us. I think that at Christmas time, one of the reasons I do, uh, do not like the season, or at least I don't like the season as it is expressed in our society today. I had to go shopping. For those of you who read my uh, um, Facebook, I had to go shopping uh, yesterday or something like that. And my goodness, <laughs> I hope I never have to do that again. <laughs> Uh, but I foolishly did to pick up a couple of items. Not a good day to pick up a couple of items. I'm in, this is two days, uh, uh, two days before Christmas and the people in front of me are, are, are buying th- $200, $300, $350 worth of groceries and I got three items in my bag. <laughs> I'm just trying to get out of there. Anyway, nonetheless, I don't like it because we have lost the sense of what this is all about. This is about Jesus Christ. And yes, I do see some uh, meaning in the fact that he was laid in a manger with the beasts, the goats, the sheep, the ram, the bull. My, my, my. He's associated with redemption, with cleansing. This God made man, as I said in the prayer. It's not just a baby, but it is a baby. It has all of the weaknesses of a child, I suppose, just born to a woman. And yet he has come from the right hand of God. God the Father to be a man because he had to be in order to redeem me and all of you from your sins. No longer, we know from Hebrews that the blood of bulls and goats would never cleanse from sin. Only 
The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from sin. It was such a momentous moment in which Jesus is on the one hand killed and dies on our behalf. And yet the scapegoat is another figure. And that would be the goat that was what the Bible calls immolated. Uh, he was killed. And then there's another element of he took our sins and was driven to the wilderness. How far? The scripture says as far as east is from the west, he took our sins as far as east is from the west. We don't have any sin left. It was all on Christ. Later on, we'll be studying Romans 4 and 5, and I'll make that extremely clear. We'll revisit all of this. The marvelous truth that our sins have been laid upon this Lamb. And a lamb has been turned loose, or a goat has been turned loose, carrying our sins away. Whew. Doesn't that take your breath a little bit? Before I was a Christian, I, I didn't understand any of this. Didn't even make sense. But since that time, I have rejoiced in it all the time. Not just at the Christmas season, but isn't it nice at the Christmas season to know and to see the typology of Leviticus fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ on the cross? And then the final uh, wonderful thing is that he was raised from the dead. So I celebrate the resurrection on Christmas just as well as I do the birth. He came out of that tomb. And he took my sins far away. It's a day of rejoicing. And now we see him as a small child in Bethlehem. He wasn't a citizen of Bethlehem, the city of David, but uh, from Nazareth. And can anything good come out of Nazareth, Nathaniel said? <laughs> well, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, and, and so what a story of the, of the scapegoat, the one that has taken my sins and gone out, never to be seen again. So I believe that Christ fulfills both the scapegoat and the, go uh, the goat that is offered, that those two things fit together. Some commentators will argue that and that say that the sins were given to a demon. That doesn't even make sense to me. They were done away with. Christ answered for our sins. Uh, our hands were on Christ. Figuratively speaking, when we believed on him for salvation.
This is beautiful stuff. And there, uh, we are uh, working up to, I'm going to review next week uh, chapter 15. We finally, finally have to deal with chapter 15. But uh, uh, this, we're leading up to uh, Yom Kippur. That holy day that all of Israel celebrated every year. It's a very important one, and it's an important one for us too. There is a way in which we celebrate it, but in a whole different way, by faith. And so, Leviticus chapter 16, dealing with the scapegoat. What a beautiful picture of our Lord, dying on the one hand, and two, taking our sins forever away. What a day. And then I hear him. I'm not going to yell like he probably yelled. It is finished. It is finished. Done. Complete. And then later he ascends to the right hand of the majesty on high. That's what we're celebrating from a little child born into the world supernaturally um, conceived but very natural in his existence as a child. We rejoice in the birth of Jesus Christ and we need to bring gold, frankincense and myrrh just like those wise men did to offer up to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in this day and age. That has all been lost in our society, I'm afraid. I saw a symbolic um, site as I drove up uh, Westchester. There's a big 10-foot Santa over there, and he had fallen on his face. Good on him. <laughs> I am sick of the lack of understanding of the Christmas holiday, of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you'll hear everything on TV but that. And so I'm, uh, I'm weary of that season for that reason. But we rejoice here in our church we rejoice. This is our Savior. He was born on Christmas Day. No, he was born. There really was no special day then, but he was born and we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And now we add to that the account of the, of the goat that is offered for our atonement. Our atonement. We are made one with the Father by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then of this scapegoat who took our sins as far away as the east is from the west. If you don't have, see any reason for rejoicing in that, I want to uh, uh, tell you we need to rejoice in those realities. They are expressed typically in Leviticus, but we know the reality 
expressed in the Gospels of Jesus Christ. There's a whole issue of the uh, one bearing sin and how our Lord and Savior was mistreated and those things being spat upon, being hit, being mocked are all expressed back here in Leviticus and, and the Pentateuch. You see it throughout the, the, the scriptures. You'll see that in, in the prophets. That Jesus was coming and that he would suffer all of the things that we read here. It must have been difficult for the average Israelite to understand or know since they didn't know anything at that point. There had no, no revelation of Christ's coming as we do. But we have little excuse. We have the full account. We have it done typically and then we have it done really. Christ coming, dying on the cross, taking our sins away as far as the east is from the west, not to be reviewed again through the blood of Jesus Christ, that sacrificial lamb. I'm loving the season now because I'm thinking about him. I'm thinking about my own miserable life until I came to know Jesus Christ as Savior. I hope the same is true with you, that you have come into a vital faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be talking about that in the future too, how that happens in our lives. Anyway, I'm pretty much done with what I wanted to do this morning. The scapegoat. Jesus is not only the Passover lamb, but he is the scapegoat that takes our sin away. Let's pray. God and Father, from the throne of mercy and grace, the right hand of the majesty on high, we appeal to you this morning. Bless us together. Cause our hearts and minds to review these matters. And help us, dear Father, to rejoice. To worship. In these things. We ask your blessing upon the day, upon the evening. As we go about our celebrations. Our meditations. Our prayers. And all of those things. We thank you, Father, that you were our scapegoat and our sacrificial lamb. May your name be glorified eternally. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.